We've been taking the time to go through the book of Acts, and I tell you what, I've enjoyed it. Learning lessons from the early church that apply to 2021. As I see the book of Acts, and of course, in the Old Testament, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, the law of Moses. And then, from Joshua to Esther, you have uh, the history of the Israelite people, the Jewish nation. Like it or lump it, it's through the Jewish people that we got our Savior and our scriptures. And uh, God tells us the history of the Jewish people. And I'm so thankful. And I think uh, any kind of anti-Semitism is just grievous. Uh, and uh, the Jewish people, as a general rule, have not accepted Jesus as Savior. But you better get used to them. You'll see them. And you're, he, God has built this whole future events around that little country about the size of Rhode Island at the present time. It's got a lot more property we'll get later. But right now, very small. But it's surrounded by Muslim countries that, that do not uh, even recognize its existence that hate it. And yet God has got a plan for the Israelite people and for that nation. And I'm so thankful. God doesn't mind telling us the future. He's already there. <laughs> and he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Then you can remember what happened five minutes ago. And certainly that's the truth. God, he can tell the future. And he does say he's going to revolve around that. But in the New Testament, instead of having the books, the law of Moses, we have the Gospels. And they revolve around the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But instead of giving us the history of the Israelite nation, Jesus came into his nation, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now God's plan to get the gospel to the ends of the earth is through the local church. And the book of Acts, chapter 1, Jesus goes up. Chapter 2, his spirit comes down. Chapter 3 and beyond, his people who are filled with the spirit go out. Say, Pastor, why are we having a gospel explosion? Because you can't spell the gospel without go. <laughs> Everybody needs to go. I would encourage you, if you say, Pastor, I didn't get up and get that thing, don't leave today without getting uh, a few tracks and say, you know what, I want to participate in some way. You'll be glad you did. Because the spirit of God stirs us. We don't come here just to sit soaking sour. We come to sit, to soak in the Word of God, to be stimulated, to make a difference outside these walls. Um, buildings don't change lives, but what happens inside of them do. But most of what happens in a local church happens in a Christian. There are some of you who got saved uh, listening to the message in this room. But most people get saved when someone sits down with them and just shares the gospel with them. And it's usually not in church. Most people get saved outside of church, and that's the way God planned it. He wanted his disciples to go everywhere preaching the word of God. And the power is not in the church, it's not in the pastor, it's not in the music, it's not in the program, it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I was speaking to a man this week, he says, you know, I've, I have a, a precious person, they're Jewish. And, but they're sick, and I want to make sure I get the, I want to be able to get the gospel to them. And I don't want to be offensive to them. And, I, and, and there is all kinds of wisdom in all of that. But I told them, I said, do they love you? So they love us to death. And her name, her name, I, well, I shouldn't probably tell her, her name. She lives in a different state. But, but uh, she's a precious lady, and she especially loves this man's wife because she cleans her house. And she loves her. She wants her to, to be like a daughter to her. 
And I said, I, she said, he said, well, I'm going to try to get this. And I'm going to watch, have her watch this film. And I said, all that's good. But I think one of the best things you can do is ask her for a chance to show you from the, for, show her from the Bible the gospel. Because the gospel is the dynamite of God. It blows up in the heart. I've, I've shared it with Muslims. I've shared it with Hindus. I've shared it with, with, um, with Jewish folks. Anybody who will sit still long enough. I shared it with two people this last week. And they both of them accepted Jesus. They, they, they heard it. And they said, you know what? They called out to a God they didn't see. <laughs> they accepted a gift they couldn't receive with their hands. They did it with their heart and with their mouth. All because we just show them the gospel. The gospel will work if we'll share the gospel. Well, the book of Acts is that. It is the Spirit of God working in people. They go out and the church begins to develop. Now we're in chapter 9 and several years have gone by. There are, there's lots of challenges going on. Recently in chapter 8, the gospel goes up to Samaria because of persecution and to other places, to Judea. And now it's kind of going off to Ethiopia with the man who got saved there. It's expanding some. But now years have gone by and the, the gospel has uh, an adversary. And it's Satan, but he uses a guy named Saul. Saul of Tarshish, a man who was born in a Greek city of Tarshish. He was sent to Jerusalem to study at the feet of Gamaliel, a very well-known theologian, Jewish theologian, and one who knew the Torah, knew the scriptures. He studied at his feet, and then he became a real uh, passionate Pharisee and a zealot against anyone who believed in Christ. But we find in chapter 9 that there is a head-on collision between Saul and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Saul had no chance. It wasn't all that. It wasn't all that in a bag of chips. He came up with Jesus. And Jesus dealt with him. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? By the way, he asked two questions about Jesus that you make sure you know. Number one, he said, who are you? Who is God to you? Who is Jesus to you? That tells a lot of things about your schedule, your finances, your attitude, your perspective on life, who Jesus is to you. If Jesus is low in your totem pole, your life will be low spiritually. The higher he goes in your opinion, the higher you'll go in your service and commitment. Your checkbook will indicate that. Your schedule, what you'll do. Uh, if, if Jesus is high in your totem pole, you, you will have no problem taking some gospel tracts and distributing them. That, that's what you'll do. That just goes with the territory. Higher his opinion, your opinion of Jesus, the more you're willing to do for him. The lower opinion of Christ, then the less I will do for him and the less I will live holy with him. Well, this, this, uh, this, he said, first of all, who are you? And he found out who is Jesus. And he said, okay, what do you want me to do? Well, that's a good thing for all of us to do. Just stop and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Today, tomorrow, the next day. Let the word of God be that lamp to your feet, your next step, and a light to your path. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God says, I want you to go and wait. It's a unique story here of really a collision course, and he's confronted with Jesus. But we quickly see the local church gets involved. Disciples are referred to after he gets saved. And now we find this is where, uh, when new people come to know Christ, I am sitting here today and I've been so blessed to see several people who have been saved in the last several weeks who are sitting here today. And I'm glad that they're not sitting by themselves. They're sitting with people who, who have been instrumental in them growing the Lord. 
And, and, and I talked to one this morning. I said, you know what, Pastor? I, I want to get baptized. But I want my husband to be here when I get baptized. They have someone getting baptized this evening. And someone, two people that I know are getting baptized this evening. They got saved and want to get baptized. It's a good thing. And it's wonderful. And it's what you ought to do after you get saved. But nonetheless, things are happening. And God's people are now engaged in probably the most significant conversion to ever take place was the conversion of Saul of Tarshish. Because God would use him as a vessel in a great way. He had that Greek background in Tarshish. He had the Jewish background in Jerusalem with Gamaliel. And he was a Roman citizen who could travel far and abroad with papers to go places in the Roman Empire. And God would make him a great missionary, probably one of the maximum Christians you'll ever meet. But it didn't happen by himself. There was a guy named Ananias who was scared to death to go see him. While he sat in the dark, his eyes blinded, he didn't eat anything, didn't drink anything. He got a, uh, he got a message from God that there's a guy, come, Ananias, going to come down. And Ananias was told, go over and see this guy and pray over him and uh, help him get baptized. And then I said, man, that guy's a killer. He kills people like me. He said, you know, I've already got a, he's a chosen vessel. I'm going to use him. And on Ananias, he, he went to the apostle Paul, to Saul, and he helped him. I want you to notice a couple other things that we can see here. But we can see definitely the confrontation that God gives. By the way, God is working in people's lives in your sphere of influence. Listen, this gospel explosion... Those folks that you're going to take to and you're going to, you're going to give, here's what you can be confident. I'm not saying every one of them. But I can tell you, God is already working in the people in our community. Amen. There are people right now saying, I wish I could figure this out. I was witnessing to someone not too long ago and they said, you know what? I was just laying in my bed night before last wondering about how I could have eternal life. And I can't believe you're explaining it to me right now. Who is, who, is, who, is up, who is always in front? It's always the Holy Spirit. You never go by yourself. God's working. And God was working in Saul's life. And even though it looked like the, most, the, the, the last guy in the world that would get saved, he was the one. But let's see real quickly the connectivity of God's people. And this is something that worked in the early church and it works in our church. We need people who are alert to see new Christians and ask yourself, how can I encourage them? How can I help them? This ought to be a place of grace. This ought to be a place where people are very alert. Don't get into a place where you just sit and, and enjoy the service. I, that was just good church. Oh, I love the singing. You ought to ask yourself, when you come, you ought to exhort somebody. You ought to encourage someone around you. You ought to come with a note in your hand. To give to a single mom who's trying to raise kids on her own. You ought to come with an encouraging word for the nursery worker across the, the door. You ought to come with a, a, thoughtful, a thoughtful compliment. You ought to come with saying, you know what, uh, if there's someone that's not, that, that would like to sit with us, we'll get something. You ought to come maybe thinking, you know, is there anybody want to get lunch with me today? If so, I'm, I'm in right here. I'm just joking. No, you got to find something. What can I do to bring help to this service? Well, there's a fella named Barnabas who did that. There are other people who are unnamed who did that. Let's look if back in our passage of Scripture. We're talking about chapter 9. And we're going to back up to verse number 
uh, 19. And when he had received me, this is after Paul had been visited by Ananias, and he now can see, and they gave him some food, he was strengthened. And then was Saul certain days with the disciples that were in Damascus. So for a little while, he stayed in Damascus, and he met with other disciples. What does the word disciple mean to you? Anybody have a thought? A follower of Christ. A disciplined one. Someone who is disciplined to follow. You know, whenever our Christian life is not based upon God's leadership, he's a great leader. It's always based on our followership. We have to be disciplined followers of the Lord. He said, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But also, he said, go out and make disciples. Disciplined followers. You know, some of us, we're followers, but we're not disciplined. We have a hard time reading our Bible, praying, giving, doing the simple things. But we all ought to want to be disciples. But while he got saved, he, they, he ate and then he began to spend a little bit of time with the Christians there in Damascus. Let's look at verse number 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, and he was the Son of God. And then after that he, he started talking to people in the synagogue as well. Now I believe in ch- between chapter nine, verse 19 and verse 20, there are numbers of years that, uh, that take place. There are three years, in my opinion. Two years, he's going to, he's going to be in Damascus, but this guy has been run away, uh, he's run away hurting Jesus, and is, now he's going to have to spend some time with Jesus. If you look in Galatians chapter 1, you'll find out that God let him stay there in Damascus for a little bit and meet some fellow Christians who nourished and encouraged him in the early stages, and then the Lord sent him to a place he refers to as Arabia. I believe in those two, those two years, he was there in Arabia. One year following that, he went back to Damascus, the same place that he came to know Jesus at. But those two years, he spent time with the Lord. He refers to that time several times in his writing. He'll, he'll say stuff like this. This you have by the word of the Lord. Or he'll say, this, this, is, this is God's, this is what he taught me. With, with Jesus. So he became an apostle. And apostles had to spend time with Jesus. Today there are no apostles. There are people who call themselves apostles. But in the, in the true sense, apostles and, and prophets were the foundational. Those are people who had spent time with Jesus. And he was too, but he was an apostle born out of due time. He got to spend time with Jesus separately and one-on-one, it seems like, while he was in the, the country of Arabia. You can read about that in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 17, and in that, in that section. But there, and then, after being two years there, I think being reprogrammed, learning a new way of living from the Lord Jesus himself, he went back to Damascus, and there he went right into the synagogue. The place he was going to to arrest people and bring them to Jerusalem for prosecution. Now he goes in there and convinces people that Jesus is the Christ. He's an amazing servant that Lord uses, but he doesn't do it by himself. He needed the early stages of disciples to help him and encourage him. Let's continue on if we can, please. And then we'll make some applications this morning. Verse 21, would you look at it, please? But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he who destroyed them that called upon the name in Jerusalem and came hither to the intent? He came here like three years ago that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. This is the same guy. And Saul increased 
the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Oh, verse number 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Opposition arises. And there... Laying away was known of Saul, so they, he knew that they were waiting to take his life. And they watched in the gates day and night to kill him. Verse number 25, and then the who? Disciples. They took him by night and let him down by a wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, by the way, he said the disciples, he knew that he, they were waiting. They were watching. They were waiting at the gates for him to come in and out of the city of Damascus. And when they, when they saw him, they were going to take his life. So the disciples came up with the idea, and he knew that. So they let him down the basket, which was not, um, it was a humbling thing. He spoke about it later. It wasn't something like, oh, wasn't that fun? No, it wasn't fun. Here's a guy who had had authority. He had been a leader, and now he's humble like a little baby in a basket. And being put down over the wall and, and made to walk in the, in, the, in the dark of night to get away from the gates where they had assailants waiting for him. So now he's in a basket and going. And now he goes off to Jerusalem. He leaves from, I believe now he's been saved. He's been ministered to by disciples. He goes two years to be in Arabia. One year he stays in Damascus, works in the synagogue. And now, out of a, a basket, he makes his way, because of assailants and because of opposition, to Jerusalem. Let's continue our reading, can we please? Thank you for looking to the Word of God. We're in Acts chapter 9. We're following now with verse number 25 or 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he is saved or desired to join himself to the disciples there. There are more disciples. Disciplined followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. But they were all a what? They're afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how that he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly to the Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out in Jerusalem. Here we find he goes to Jerusalem and he's probably happy to see it. But here's the problem. Mrs. Stephen, the widow woman in the church, she's there. Her kids are there. He had killed their dad just three years ago. And it was a problem. And even though they might have heard his story, they thought, no, no, he's a mole. He's going to get in here and be a Trojan horse. He'll get in here and then he'll come back and he'll kill all of us. They were afraid. They did not believe his story. But thank God for a man named Barnabas, an intercessor, an advocate, who said, no, 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 guys, listen. I've heard him in the, I heard him in the synagogue. I know his story. You've got to believe it. God's done something for him. He's going to use him in a wonderful way. And you've got to, you've got to stick with him. You've got to come on. Stay, stay with him. And, they, and they entered, he introduced him to the apostles. And he stayed there and went in and out for a while. He wanted to stay in Jerusalem because he thought he would be a great help to the cause of Christ and the growth of the church. But you can read in Acts chapter 22 that the Lord Jesus said, no, that's not going to work. You're going to need to go. 
It's going to be too difficult and you're going to get killed early and I don't want that to happen. So you're going to go. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he spent 10 years, he went back to his hometown of Tarshish. And he spent 10 years waiting, learning, anticipating, probably wondering, Lord, I know I could do more. Jerusalem, they all know me there. He says, they're going to kill you there. I need you to get out. And he, against his own will, went back to his hometown and spent time there. Have you, you can see something happening here. The Lord is going to later send Barnabas, his buddy Barney, <laughs> over to Tarshish. And whenever he sees a need of a church up in Antioch. Now, what happened in Antioch? The Bible says the Christians were first called Christians there at Antioch. Antioch was the first church that sent out missionaries on purpose, with support. And God was going to bring him to that place. And he, along with Barnabas, his buddy, would be great influencers. And the truth of the matter is, most of us who are not Jewish are sitting here today because of that church. But there's a time that goes by. We're going to talk about that in a second. I want you to think about it. Let's continue on with our reading. Can we please? The Bible tells us in verse number 28. He was with them coming in and out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of Jesus, disputing against the Grecians, the very people, the Hellenists, the Jews that were more Grecian, and the people that killed Stephen. That's who he disputed with. But they went about to do what? They're ready to kill him. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to where? Tarshish, his hometown. They took him away. Some men, we can't, his brethren, his other, he said, you can't stay here. They're going to take your life. And the Lord had told him that. Then verse 31, would you look at it and read it out loud with me, would you please? Then had the churches rest in Galilee, in Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice a couple things. First of all, I want you to see that God is in the process of confronting people with His Son, Jesus. Number two, when someone gets saved, they need the connection and the consolation of other Christians who've already been there and done that. That's why I love discipleship. When new people come, you have got to say, Lord, please use me. Make me illuminated to somebody who needs Jesus and needs the help after they get saved. You know, when a mother has a baby, God sends to her body a milk called colostrum. And as soon as that baby's born, even if that mother is not going to nurse that child long term, every wise doctor wants them to have that early milk. Because in that colostrum is great antibodies to fight bacteria and viruses that she or he has just come into a big world where he's been incubated by his mama now. All these airborne diseases are coming. If they can get that colostrum and someone will love them and get that to them early on, it will help them grow much faster without illness. You know, everybody gets saved what they need. They need somebody to mother them. They need someone to love them, someone to help them. Many times we're just too busy. We're too caught up with our, our stuff. We got, we're, we're trying to make our, our ends meet and work our hours and do what we need to do and go where we want to go. Too busy to help somebody else grow. 
We see here the confrontation of Christ. We see the consolation and the connection of the local church. I want you to see also the, the customized way in which God uses every individual. I don't know why, but God wants to use every one of you, and he wants to use me in his work. But he uses us differently. Paul, he was platformed in an unbelievable way, but he suffered in an unbelievable way. God uses some people differently. We don't want to compare ourselves among ourselves. That's not wise. But God has you customized in his plan to get the gospel. Don't get frustrated with the pace or the place you are at the present time. Many of us, we get so frustrated with God because we don't like the pace that he's leading me. And we don't like the place that we're in right now. You know, when I think about Apostle Paul, I, in my mind, thought, oh, he got saved, and then he just started witnessing, and he was in one place, and man, God was using him, and it was unbelievable revival take place. That's not true. Fourteen long years. Fourteen years of preparation for 18 years of potential missionary ministry. We think, oh, boy, it's got to happen quick. I'm that way. We want instant help. We want instant results. We want things to happen. But you know what God? He is a God of process. And we don't like that. Some of you, you're frustrated with the pace that God has you at. And you're frustrated with the place that God has you. And I think it would be a good idea if you learn to be content in whatsoever state you are. Quit fighting. Say, God, this is where you have me now. This is the pace that you have me on. I'm going to do all I can do, and I'm going to trust you for my future. I think Saul, and he was zealous. If there's anybody that had to be slowed down, I think it was Paul, Saul. Because he was, whatever he did, he did it full throttle. And God slowed him down for 14 years to take in and to minister in maybe a minuscule place. But then God used him in a greater way. I want you to to learn from the early church today that God is sometimes slow, but he is never late. And God is working in your life, in my life, and there's there's something going on even if you don't understand. He said, Lord, let me stay here in Jerusalem. I know. These people all know me. I've been running these streets. They all know me. And And the Lord says, no, no, you can't stay here. It'll mess up my whole plan. You need to go to Tarshish. How long? Ten years. Ten years! What? I'm ready now. God says, you're not ready now. I've got a timing coming. I've got something coming around. And boy, I tell you what, when I I think about this, I have my friend, Brother Warren Johnson, I heard him say something one time. After this, this thought, we need to do three words. Be alert to those around you, especially new believers. Number two, connect with them. Get outside your comfort zone. Connect with them. And then lastly, trust God with the pace and the place that he has you. Trust him. You say, well, I don't even know, I don't even know what's going on. Trust him and tell him you trust him. Let's all say it just for the sake of time. Lord, I trust you. You ready? One more time. Nothing stimulates God like faith. Trusting him. In this season. Let's pray together.